What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the 126 <laughs> Alternative Health Podcast, as rated by Apple. But we like to think of ourselves as the number one health, fitness, and entertainment podcast. My name is Jack Graham. And I'm Mac Rikers. On today's show, we cover how important is your technique to your results? Does it really matter? Protein, spiking your insulin, what the hell's going on there? Do you skip lunch? And is it damaging your health? And then we finish the show off with a really good listener question. Which is how to find your calorie deficit and how you can maintain energy when you are in a deficit. Great question. I can't wait to mm. unpack that one. And, and everybody will get something out of that. So make sure you hang around to the end for that question. Let's get into the show. I wanted to start today's show off with some financial gossip or reporting. Now, don't get scared everybody, I'm gonna bring it straight back into our first topic and I feel like this is tied into each other. So F45 has lost a shitload of money in the stock market. So if you didn't know, F45 went public in the US probably a year or two ago and they had big names like Mark Wahlberg and a few other actors jump in and obviously get a shitload of stock and money for, you know, saying we do F45, mm. this is how we get ripped and they don't use F45, but that's another story. But all the celebrities are starting to sell all their shares and F45 is tanking on the stock market. Stock market. So I don't really know anything about the stock market. What happens if they, the less shares that people own, the less they are worth, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. So they were highly overvalued. Um, I think they might have even been into the billions when they first hit the stock market, but now they're worth a half of that quarter even. Really? Yeah. And but they first entered the stock market mid-pandemic. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, right. Or well, just as as just as it was ending in the US, so okay. I was sort of starting to ramp back up here, but it's starting to end in the US. Um, so obviously they just haven't grown as big as they thought. And this sort of brings me into the first topic I wanted to talk about, like how important is technique to your results? Why? Because when you do F45, I don't really care about technique. There is no technique. Yeah. And again, this is just from what I've seen. I've never actually done an F45 class and I'm sure there's good ones out there and there's bad, just like there is CrossFit and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And train P PTs, there's good PTs and there's bad PTs. So the thing is, a lot of people start this F45 and they go into doing this hit styled 45 minute workout. Mm. And yeah, it doesn't really matter on technique. You're going to get results because you're going to be moving more than what you did before you started. Yeah. Um, so people get all these results, but then it, it's so hard to sustain. Pretty much everybody I, sp I have spoken to that has done F45 has ended up injured or had some sort mm. of injury. And that's how they end up, end up with me. So I'm, not, I'm sure it's not everybody, but from my point of view, most people get injuries. I think a lot of, I've come across a lot of people who also that's how they just started exercising in general. Yeah. And because it's not sustainable, like it's a good entry point, I guess, if you're scared and you just want to be at the back of a class and start to move, yeah. I guess. But yeah, then after a while, like I suppose the 
novelty of it wears off. Yeah. So you either burn out, you end, end up injured, or you plateau very mm. quickly with your results. So people tend to move on. And this is where technique does come into it. So I guess there's two ways of thinking. Yes, you can just get into exercise, just start moving weights around, move more than what you were previously, and you're gonna get results. It doesn't really matter what you do. Yeah. But at some, sort of, at some point, you have to bring in technique. Um, I'm gonna use a back squat, for example a full depth back squat all the way down, all the way up, whether it, you know, 20 kilos or 120 kilos, he's gonna burn more calories than a quarter squat. Mm -hmm. Even if a goblet squat, like F45, I'm assuming does a lot of goblet or, you know, variations of squats, a full depth squat, taking your time to go through the whole squat, even if it takes longer, and it's not as intense, it's still going to get you better results. Yeah. It's going to build more muscle, it's going to burn more fat, and it's going to get you better, looking better and feeling better. So, and then obviously the second school of thought is work on your technique straight away, and then you're not going to really plateau. So I would rather see people taking their time as soon as they come into the gym, working on their technique, um, going through the squat pattern, making sure they're getting full depth and with control. So a lot of people out there can probably squat but just haven't got control over the movement, mm -hmm. which is a whole nother issue. Um, so if you can take the time to perfect your movement, make sure your technique is right from the very start. Yes, you might not get those initial results as same as what somebody else in F45 did. And again, that's probably why a lot of people won't take the time to work on their technique. Um, but if you do, you're not going to plateau. You can constantly keep variation, like vary, like either adding weight or varying the movement, so you can con continuously, progressively get results. So take the time to, you know, learn the movements. You know, I also think that it's a lot easier for you to learn the movement correctly the first time than to learn a bad form pattern and have to try and relearn it because that like I've been through that and it's much harder to have to try and relearn something when this is how you've done it for the last two years yes, or whatever that is a great point um re and that's and again that's why a lot of people won't do it because they've got all these results say they did f45 for two months they got some great results but they were doing quarter squats yeah and then and instead of squatting, they were more hinging at the hips rather than the knees, which is more of a deadlift movement, which is very common, which doesn't work your legs at all, mm -hmm. really. Um, to then learn how to back squat, it's going to take you a couple of months to learn how to back squat properly. Yeah. Because your body's so used to those other movement patterns. So that means you've already plateaued, and then it's going to take you another couple of months to get results. But the thing is, once you've learned that, uh, you're going to, like I said, it's more sustainable. Your knees are going to be healthy. Your hips are going to be healthy. You're going to move better, feel better, and you're going to have better looking legs. Also, wouldn't you just avoid injuries in general, ideally, if you mm. had a proper, te if you have proper, te bleh, proper technique? Yeah, and generally, and this is and this is the thing. We do it all backwards. You should take, say, let's, I don't know, nine months. First three months should be focusing on your technique and moving to perfection throughout all the movements. Next three months, build strength in those movements. And then the three months after that, add an intensity like an F45 class. Yeah. Do when it that way and your results will be 10 times better 
then just jumping straight into the last section of that. Yeah. It also, from a non-personal trainer perspective, having good technique, like I feel better. Like I can literally feel more muscles working. I get more sore after a workout using proper technique. And I think focusing on my technique, like coming from CrossFit where it's like just flop your body around and it doesn't matter as long as you're getting the workout in to just... I guess, bodybuilding style exercise, it is a lot more satisfying to have good technique. I think you, I feel a lot more confident in the gym when I know I have good technique because other people look at you regardless. So you might as well do it properly because I don't know, you can influence other people as well. And yeah, I forgot my last point, but yeah. And that come that brings up another subject. I know we're getting off topic, but what is functional fitness? like CrossFit and F45 and all those sort of, you know, style workouts, they same claim to be functional workouts, but it's not really functional if you're not doing the movements properly. Yeah. Functional essentially means just doing everything, right? Like they're doing Mm. whatever, like putting your body through every movement. Yeah. And, but more like it's going to help you in day-to-day life as well. Oh, what? So like being able to squat properly as soon as you start adding intensity and you know competition into that, your form turns a shit just because you're trying to get it done as quickly as possible. Mm. And is that really functional? Like when in life are you going to be competing, <laughs> picking up boxes or something like that? Yeah, never. Or squatting down to pick something up. Yeah. So, yeah, technique is very important. Um, it's worth taking your time and getting it right because over time – your body is going to be stronger, feel better. You can, and at the end of the day, you're going to look better as well. Uh, so how can people, like, I guess, judge their own technique or revise their technique? Yeah, good point. Um, jump on the Coach's Corner on our new health and fitness app mm-hmm. where, I'm get, where I've got a heap of demonstrations and how-tos and all that sort of stuff. But basically what I go over in those videos is body awareness this is, that was my other point. <laughs> yeah. So you're going to get a lot more body awareness and that sort of stuff, doing, taking your time and working on your technique, which everybody should have, but a lot of people don't. Yeah. Um, and what that means, what I mean is when you're going through a squat, how it looks in your head is how it should look exactly when you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people think they're squatting to full depth, but I record them or they look in a mirror and they're like, oh, I'm not even getting down that far. I'm like, yeah, I know, but they thought they were. Yeah. So get a mirror. I know a lot of people don't like mirrors in gyms and they are misused for, yeah. <laughs> for social media. But mirrors, and I've said this to a lot of people, um, mirrors are the best coaching tool a PT can have because if you can get somebody to look in a mirror at the same time as they're doing the exercise, they're visually seeing and learning at the same time mm-hmm. where you can record yourself on a phone or get somebody to record you. And then you can watch it back and improve there, but it's not as effective as doing it in real time. Yeah, because you can make the adjustments as you see them, right? Mm-hmm. I like the I like focusing on technique rather than weight or speed or whatever. Also, because I think it actually helps my. I'm pretty sure it's scientifically proven to actually help your muscles grow. If you're thinking about the weight you're moving and your muscles actually getting bigger, then it does accelerate the whole process, right? Yeah, uh, that's 
a great point. So mind-muscle connection is an actual thing. Mm-hmm. It is proven in a lot of different studies. You can go to Google Scholar and type that in and you can find endless studies. So that means basically if you, you're doing a bicep curl um, and you're just sort of wandering around, looking around the room, thinking about what you had for lunch whilst you're doing those bicep curls, it's not as effective as if you're concentrating and imagine that bicep actually contracting to lift your arm up mm. as you lift the weights like and really think about yourself being inside that muscle and all the muscle fibers working and all that sort of stuff it's far more effective and it sends a stronger muscle building signal or fat building uh, burning signal whatever however you want to look at it to your body rather than you know not minus mind, mindlessly lifting yeah interesting Move well, look good. Easier said than done. Well, until now, I have designed a 12 week program broken up into four different phases so you can continuously get results, but at the same time, work on your mobility, your flexibility, and perfect your movements so you can move better than you ever have before and look good at the same time. If that sounds good to you, hit the move well, look good tab below and get started today. I come across a pretty interesting study the other day, how protein can blunt your insulin spike, insulin spikes when you eat food. So basically this study was done when you eat protein first. So if you've got a plate of food and you eat the protein first, and then you go through your carbs and fats and all that sort of stuff next, Mm -hmm. whether it's veggies or rice and that sort of stuff, uh, your insulin doesn't spike as high. So it's more sustainable. Meaning, general population words, meaning your energy doesn't spike and then disappear. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so if you're somebody that has had lunch, say, and then you're finding that you're crashing at three o'clock and you're going for those chocolatey treats and all that sort of stuff, if at lunch you eat your protein first, and make sure it's obviously a good source of protein. Not a hot dog. Yeah. (laughs) Before you go into... Um, your carbohydrates in the meal and that sort of stuff, it's sort of more sustainable. So you won't be getting that big spike and then crash and then craving that chocolate bar and that sort of stuff. Mm. So was it, did the study show that having the protein exclusively before the other macros or can you have them all at the same, like just having a decent serve of protein with the other macros, does it have the same effect? No, so eating protein and let it like, letting it digest before the others is more beneficial. Mm. So if you've got a steak on your plate, I know, I've, I know I've met a few people that will save their steak to last. No longer is that what you should be doing. <laughs> eat your steak first and then eat all your vegetables. Realistically, your protein tastes the best anyway in the beginning, right, of your meal. It's when it's the hottest and everything. Yeah, and we've talked about this before on other shows where studies have actually shown when you eat protein, it fills you up. So you're going to be eating less as well. So um, if your goal is weight loss or fat loss, then this is a good tip to add in. Yeah, like, very I, easy change to make. We strongly recommend this to everybody. Um, and eating protein first in the morning is far more beneficial. There's a lot of reasons for that. Um, your body 
absorbs and uses protein more efficiently in the morning than it does in the afternoon, generally speaking. Um, generally any, yeah, generally anything that you eat for, like there's a saying, breakfast is the most important meal of the day for a reason. Yeah, and that is true. <laughs> yeah. So if you can have protein in that first meal as the first thing you eat, that is going to be the most beneficial. Yeah. Now, a lot of people out there, I can't, haven't got time to cook breakfast and all that sort of stuff. And look, yeah, we agree. Cooking breakfast is quite hard. So just go for something that is high in protein to start with. Um, I was going to say, we just have a protein smoothie. It's essentially fruit, protein, yogurt, Greek yogurt. Otherwise, there's so many easy options now. Like you can get those YoPro yogurts, which are... 15 to 21 grams of protein per serving which is pretty big you can so many protein bars just add a protein shake to like the side of your i don't know if you have cereal or toast what do regular people have for breakfast (laughs) yeah um well i was gonna say that eggs on toast seems to be a go-to and when people think of protein in the morning it's eggs yeah eggs are good and a very good source of protein but they're very low in protein yeah so one egg is roughly about four grams three to four grams of protein maybe five for a bigger one yeah so you want about 30 grams so you're going to need five to eight eggs (laughs) a lot of eggs to get that amount of protein in so don't just rely on uh, eggs for your protein in the morning also i can't remember if we brought it up on the podcast a while ago but Trying to have a higher protein ratio to carbs or fats for breakfast actually helps you avoid the energy crash, um, avoid that crushing hunger that you get before lunch because like for all the reasons that we just mentioned before, it fills you up for longer. But um, And because coffee is common to have in the morning, if you have that protein in your diet first, then it's going to help control all of your glucose levels and hence your energy for the rest of the day so you probably don't need as much coffee so you probably won't have as many energy crashes Mm. it's just the answer to everything really protein and again as we always say better quality the better the protein so the better it's gonna your body's gonna use it yeah on the same topic of meals and the importance of meals um twice this week i've spoken to people about skipping lunch Mm. i guess i just didn't realize how common it is for people to skip lunch i guess for us because we work for ourselves we work from home so jack cooks lunch every day Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and it's like a big part i guess it's a big part of our day like we have a good lunch usually like a salad and chicken and we sit down for probably an hour and then we go for a walk sometimes after or do cleaning and stuff so it's like it's a solid hour out of our day fully focused around lunch yeah um so i guess i just forgot that a lot of people choose not to or can't i don't like to use the word can't take a lunch break Mm. um because it's just either it's too hard to fit in their work day or it's not really a priority and i just want to say that it is a priority (laughs) like i can't stress enough how important it is to have lunch and to take time to stop working to have lunch Mm. like i understand if you have a job that is very demanding but you i don't think that it is an excuse good enough to skip lunch yeah i remember those days back when i was a tradie and 
you're too busy and you can't stop for lunch. So you work for, I don't know, eight, nine hours straight. Without food. Without food. Which literally... And minimal water. Blows my mind. And then you can't figure out why you can't function properly by the end of the week. Yeah. Well, you're literally depriving your brain, like at the Mm. least, of energy. So... How are you supposed to function probably at work, let alone if you intend to go to the gym after work or do any extracurricular things on the weekend? Like, Yeah, and definitely taking that time, whether you're doing a laborious job or you know a highly technical job where you need to think properly, taking that time and stop to, stopping to think and refueling your body is far more beneficial. I know a lot, a lot of people go, nah, I just haven't got the time but you'd actually get more done taking that break. Yeah, absolutely. It helps you focus better. It helps you like regulate your emotions better. It helps you make decisions more efficiently. Like it doesn't have to be an like 60 minutes, you no. know? It can be 20 minutes, half an hour. I yeah. don't know. I just It's just a lot of the stuff we see and read is all, you know, elsewhere. Where Australia we've just got a weird mentality of Work as hard as possible and work yourself into the ground. Yeah. If you're not doing that, you're not succeeding or you're not working hard enough. Yeah. Where... We were literally talking this morning about how good it would be to siesta and stuff in Europe. (laughs) a lot of countries still do siestas because they know how effective they are. Like, if they weren't that effective in, like, just the whole population being productive, people wouldn't do it anymore. Yeah. Like, siestas have been around forever in some of these European countries and they're still doing it. So obviously because they're still works, effective yeah. and they're still got a functioning country. Everybody still does stuff. Like, so yeah, it's just like they still, like they still get stuff done and they still live lives, but it's just hard turning. Like even for me, going from building into health and fitness, it was completely different. And it took me, I reckon it probably took me a, a good, a year or two to get out of that mentality of I've just got to be doing something all day. Mm. Don't worry about food, just get stuff done. It's just sometimes, it's so hard for me to fathom that people would prioritise their job over their health and their longevity, you know? Like it's at the end of the day, it's just a job. Mm. Like, is it really worth like starving yourself, what, 300 days of the year to try and get that extra hour or extra 20 minutes of work in? Yeah. I just can't comprehend like how it's so important to some people. And if you're trying to lose weight, I think it's a common thing to skip lunch because just skipping your meal, you know, so it's like fasting, fasting, I guess, but it just messes with you. And if you're doing work, probably even worse while you're eating, Mm. um, it just messes with your hunger and fullness cues. Like you actually have no idea when you're full because you're occupied. You're just shoveling food into your mouth. And you just stop eating when the plate's empty. And then that's just going to carry out into all your other meals of you not paying attention to the food you're eating. So you're never going to be able to feel the cues that you're full. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then you're never going to actually have real hunger cues either because the whole system is out of whack. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I think also like by skipping lunch or just not even focusing when you're eating lunch, then at night time when you don't have much to focus on or much to distract you, that's a lot of the time when people will consume double the amount of calories, probably a dinner that, than what they need. Yeah, and snack heaps and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and, you, and like Max said, you don't have to do a full siesta. Like just start with 20 minutes, 25 minutes for yourself. 
take take a lunch break sit down and relax and you'll see how much more productive like might you're not you might not be productive in the first couple of days but over time your body will be refueled and get used to it so it can relax a little bit more and you'll have more energy yeah definitely Looking to improve your nutrition can be an extremely daunting process. Hence, we have created the Beginner's Guide to Nutrition and Recovery. In this guide, we cover the basic fundamentals of nutrition to help you decide the macros or portions that are best for you and your goals. We also cover the basics of recovery so that you can accelerate your performance in the gym. To download this guide, hit the Beginner's Guide to Nutrition and Recovery below. Lastly, let's get into our listener question. Good question today. It is a great question. So how to find a calorie deficit and how to maintain energy while in a deficit? Mm. Where, does, where does one start? Right. So, How to find a calorie deficit. Let's start there. Okay. The, there is obviously a, a massive abundance of calorie calculators on the World Wide Web that you can have a look at. Um, it's just, they're all a guess. Mm. Honestly, everything is a guess really when it comes to calories in and calories out. But I think the most accurate way you could probably define your or find your deficit would be to just start tracking food to begin with and at least for four weeks. Don't change anything. Just put everything into my fitness pal and see where you're at while you weigh yourself every day mm. so the label for this would be finding your maintenance calories so i would suggest for the first month to try to find calories that don't change your weight so you want to keep your weight the same and keep eating roughly the same calories and then once you have your maintenance then you know if you want to be in a surplus, you can add a little bit or you can, if you want to be in a deficit, you can take a little bit away at a time. But it's really hard to find a deficit that isn't going to mess you up if you don't know what your maintenance calories are. Yeah, just having a guess, oh, I should just be eating a thousand calories. Um, yeah, definitely. I would add one more into that. So I would definitely say track every day mm -hmm. for four weeks, see how many calories are going in, not just per day, but per week and then per month. Yeah. So you've got those three numbers. But then um, with a fitness tracker, I would actually measure how many calories you're burning each day. Oh yeah. So again, this is the best fitness tracker out there, we talk about all the time, is a Whoop. Um, and even it is, I think it's up to about 55% accuracy at the moment. So it's not like it's the best, and it's not even a hundred percent. It's not even. It's just over fifty yeah. percent. So it will tell you how many calories you burn. So what I would do is, you know, see how many calories you're taking in for a day, and then see how many calories you're burning for that day, and then see the difference. Yeah. But then um, track it over your calories. How many calories over a week? So you can go back through, add them all up, and then divide the number by seven. So you get an average nut calories for the week, mm -hmm. and see how that differs from how many calories reading per week and then do for that for the month as well. So that will give you a pretty close to what maintenance is. Um, and then I'd say probably go 
what, two to 400 under that at the most. Yeah, you don't want to cut it in half or anything mm. crazy like that. I would just say, yeah, two to 400 and then keep that deficit, that 200 deficit, say, for a month mm. at least as well because doing it for a week and expecting massive weight loss is just silly. Yeah. <laughs> it takes a while for you to actually see any change. And I would say continually track your weight so you can see if it is working for you and if your weight is trending down or averaging yeah. downwards. And just another thing, what was I going to say with that is, um, no, I lost it. I was going to say something. Um, I guess what I was going to say is there's a couple of easy things you can do just to lose 200 kilos out of the food you're eating. 200 kilos? Uh, calories. <laughs> so let's just say you found that your maintenance is... 2000 and you want to drop down to 1800 mm -hmm. to be in a calorie deficit one of the easiest ways to do that is just to get rid of processed food yeah um you you could probably stay at 2000 and get rid of processed food and you would lose weight yeah that's how much of an impact it has on your body um but that sort of goes into the next part say you're 1800 and then your energy does drop as we all know food is energy when you eat less energy you're going to have less energy mm -hmm. um, but obviously your body stores energy as fat on your body so when you're in a calorie deficit that's what we're trying to get rid of that's not to say either that overweight people have more energy in general <laughs> no no um, so when you're in that calorie deficit and you want energy each calorie matters what you eat matters more when you're in a calorie deficit so if you're still eating shit and you're in 1800 and you're in a calorie deficit, you're going to feel like shit. Mm -hmm. But if you're eating the best quality food and you're in a deficit, you're going to feel 10 times better. Yeah, definitely. And on the processed food side of things, like because it is processed, there's, it's less work for your body to digest it. So it doesn't keep you mm. for full for as long. It's not as satisfying. Um, it's just like high in calories, but low in energy value i suppose you could say also i think on i don't know it's hard when you're in a deficit obviously one of the trade-offs is expecting to have slightly less energy because you are trying to lose weight but i think the being in a deficit that is too low will give you extremely low energy that's why it's so important to come down really slowly so mm. that it's not like a shock to your body because if you do go into a massive deficit it is a stressor on your body, so it can be hard, if not impossible, to lose weight. Yeah. Um, you might lose weight, but you won't lose body fat. Yeah. Your body will hold onto that energy, fat. Because it thinks you're starving it. Yeah. So, yeah, slowly and surely is the best way, like month at a time. Yeah. Um, it is a slow process, but you get much better results over time. Um, because if you, like Max said, if you cut massively... As soon as you stop, your body's just going to put all that weight back on. Yeah. Because it wants to keep it there. I think also one more thing to consider is your water intake because it does play a massive part in your brain's ability to function. So having less calories for your brain even to use um, is obviously going to make you feel more sluggish. So putting a little bit more focus on your water intake will also help your brain's ability to focus and function and also while you're in a deficit make sure you sleep 
enough. Mm. Because if you're trying to lose weight, you need to be sleeping because you can't. You just you won't lose weight if you have shocking sleep. It's just it's science. Yeah. It's been proven a lot of times that you just can't in, encourage your body to lose weight when you don't sleep enough. Yeah. Um, so two more things. I just wanted to touch on that. <laughs> so if you do all the hard work and you find out your maintenance is two thousand, and you don't want to eat less than that. All you need to do is, like we said, cut out processed food and sleep better, increase your need a little bit, mm. and, you can and you'll probably lose weight staying at that same amount of calories. Yeah. Um, now, just one thing to touch on is workouts in a calorie deficit. Yeah. So it's very important to understand that you are going to have less energy, so you're going to be performing, you know, less in the gym. Yeah. You're going to have less performance in the gym. So this comes down to the... Um, people that count their calories in workouts and the calorie warriors in the, oh, like, yeah. I've burnt this many calories in a workout. And this is where you've got to forget all of that because you're going to be burning less calories in your workout because you haven't got as much energy. So you're going to be like, oh no, you know, I didn't work out hard enough and all this sort of stuff. And it doesn't matter. Your body will equal it all out. So don't stress about your performance in the gym. All you need to do if you feel like you need to do a little bit more exercise is just go for an extra walk. Yeah. Increase your need a little bit. Don't push harder in the gym in these times because you will do serious damage to your body. Mm. So, yeah, that's all I want to say. Cool. Great question. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Um, awesome. Thanks again for tuning in. If you've enjoyed this show, thank you. Please share it with friends, families, family members, anybody else you, you think would get something out of this episode, even if it's just that last little bit. A lot, of, a lot of people have a lot of questions about calorie deficits and I feel like we covered a fair bit in that. So go back and listen to it again and we'll talk to you in the next episode. Bye. Bye.